Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. All right, you guys. Well, let's kick this thing off. We are 16 minutes after the hour. Uh, my name is Jeff Cohn, founder of Elite Real Estate Systems and our flagship brokerage, KW Elite, and our former flagship team, Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group which grew from 70 to 700 sales in six years, making us the fastest growing real estate team in history and residential sides. I've said that a couple of times. Also, um, we are famous for our podcast, the Team Building Podcast, uh, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders across the country. Um, I know a recent invitation to all of our ERS, active ERS clients was to pick a topic based on the new guide we recently released, which Catherine's going to be talking about here in a couple of minutes we would love to showcase one of our best ERS clients on each topic. And last month, we just got done showcasing Ford Duncan. Ford did an amazing job talking about agent retention, which is the topic for this month. Uh, so we'll be getting into that topic here today. Um, Andy's going to take us down the rabbit holes over the next three Thursdays. And we have some really awesome topics to be discussing surrounding agent retention, a topic that doesn't get discussed enough because most people are focused on selling real estate instead of retaining agents and all of the other things that have to do with growing a successful, scalable business in your marketplace. A um, few housekeeping items as people start popping in. Uh, we just came off of an amazing event, probably our best team building workshop ever um, in attendance and in information shared. As you guys know, who have been on the platform for a long time. It's not the same content every single month. It's always different, especially by adding the masterminds after the 30-minute topical information. It can be ever-changing. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. And it's our intention to continually bring you the best information that's applicable, applicable to your growth, your team, your city, each and every call. And I think we have kept up our end of the bargain. Um, of course, the masterminds only improve with your interaction and your involvement on those calls. So even today, be thinking about uh, here in about 25 minutes when we open it up for Q&A, you can ask anything about any topic. It doesn't just have to be about retaining agents. And we feel like that offers you the one-on-one -on -one coaching that you need. You always gonna, are going to be able to ask questions pertaining to the biggest problems and challenges that you're facing in your business today. So we have these emails that go out and it was funny, I was talking with Catherine in preparation to the call today and said, hey, would you mind taking everybody through that weekly email that you send out? And then she reminded me that it's not just the weekly recap email, there's also a newsletter that goes out once a month. And I said, well, if I didn't know that, I bet some of our clients don't know that either. And the most important thing for me, all of the high Ds on the call, maybe you're not the ones who are going down the rabbit holes and taking advantage of all the content we send out, but we want to make sure that your agents and staff are taking advantage of that. So Catherine's going to just take a couple minutes as more of you come in and recap what each of those emails are all about and what information you can find inside those emails. And I think Kat, we'll do a quick screen share if you want to start off with the weekly recap. Or the yeah. newsletter, whichever one you want to go first. I have the weekly recap. Hold up. Can you see it? Yep. Okay. So this is our weekly recap. It goes out. Everyone receives it at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on Fridays. So some places that's 2 p.m., some places that's 5 p.m., but everybody gets it at 4 p.m. CST. And currently, it only goes to the people who are the account holders. Um, if you've asked us for behind the scenes, like in an email, can you add this person to this email? Then we've also done that. Um, we're also working on a way to add your agents to it. So you're the team leader. So we're working on a way to get this email to your agents. It's not as cut and clear on the back end to be able to do that, um, but we are working on that. So hopefully by the end of the year, they are too receiving this email. So this is our weekly recap. Um, again, this first paragraph here just is kind of um, what's coming up or you know, rhetorical questions that get asked about your goals and things that are coming up, events that are coming up. And then it immediately follows the schedule for the week. So all of these buttons link exactly to um, the um, recording for that week and has the date and the topic. And then following that is the plan for the following week. So you get this on a Friday. So this is where the Monday would be. It's dated, has the type of training it is, and then the title of the training. Um, 
And then these, you can click to add these to your Google Calendar if you want. And then the last section of this email is always our most like soon upcoming event. So that is our virtual team building workshop, um, which is November 16th. What's so that day look like, Kat? Speak to that for a second. So that is one full day. We go nine to five. Um, we kick off with normal introductions. Everyone introduces himself. And then we kick off with content. So Kevin McGowan speaks about operations. Then Andy Cuny speaks about class. And then Jeff goes. And then we also plug in Clint. And he talks usually about an hour and a half to two hours about investing at somewhere in there. Um, so that's a full day. We break for lunch, obviously. Um, it's just one day, um, nine to five. And that's um, $97 for current clients. Um, and then obviously you'll get a recording of that too. And so that's coming up on November 16th. This is our last event of the year. So unless you're going to Inman, we have a happy hour going to be happening there at the end of October. Um, this is our last workshop event for the year, November 16th. And then we'll kick off the year in Southern California. Um, we're hosting a workshop there on Thursday, January 20th. Um, so that's the weekly recap email. You get this every Friday, you as the team leader. And then uh, once a month, you get um, this newsletter-esque email, which just kicks off the topic for the month. And Ford, this is our look at those handsome guys, huh? Nice work, buddy. Um, so this email has taken a new change. Ford kicked off this new newsletter style for us where we're interviewing um, one of you to kick off the topic. And we know that Ford was a good selection. And he was here in September to um, record. So he's actually in office. A lot of our recordings are virtual via Zoom, but he was actually here. So we got to record. You can watch his session. It's also going to be turned into a team building podcast here in a couple of weeks. So you can listen to it there too. Um, and then what this does is kind of gives her an introduction to who Ford is and what they discuss. It also points out the three key topics that Andy's going to dive into later in this month. So we have Jeff kicking off today. And then these are the three topics that Jeff is going to or excuse me, that Andy is going to work towards for the rest of the month, the rest of the weeks towards the month. And then right here, this image here is our brand new elite team building guide, which is in the drive. You all have access to it. You can also go to our website and download it. You can also go to grow with ERS and download it. But this is just an image of it for the month. So um, November is metrics tracking. So it'll be metrics tracking coming next month. But these are the, the defined topics for the month and a clear goal that goes with each of these topics. So a lot of you were asking us to give you some more content, like um, goals to have for each week. And this is what this guide is. So there's 12 topics, there's three goals and three defined topics for each month of the year. So you can go download that or you can just wait for it to come to you every month here. If you click on this, it brings you to the link in the drive where it is. So you can scroll and see all of that. Um, and then, of course, this wraps with our events. Again, the virtual workshops, since that's our last event of the year. Okay, where that, will be the new section? Um, have we shared this officially yet? No, that, that hasn't come out yet. Just They haven't been recorded. Okay. I know you posted a teaser on Instagram. Yeah. So we have some more podcast content coming um, that's going to be answering um some good questions for people. So that'll be coming. That'll be plugged in here too. You'll be able to see that. Um, but this is Ford's interview. You can click on it. You can watch it. Also be turned into a podcast in a couple of weeks. But Ford and Jeff discussed, you know, agent retention and how that looks on Ford's team and just a different perspective of it. That's it. Perfect. Nice job, Catherine. Thank you very much for doing that. And then next month's so topic, good. Kat, what is that? Metrics tracking. Okay. So. so I don't know if we've um, tapped anyone yet for a call on metrics tracking, but would like to invite anyone that thinks right. and feels they're doing an amazing job surrounding metrics tracking. You might be using CSU or Google Forms or Excel spreadsheets, something that you feel like is yeah. out of the norm and you want to be showcased on the podcast. We feel like it's a huge value add to introduce the next month's topic by actually taking an, a current ERS client and showcasing their success, applying strategies around that specific topic. Yeah. And then career visioning is what we finish off the year with. So we have two months left of the year. 
We have metrics tracking next month and career visioning in December. And then we start all over again in January with big picture. Awesome. Thanks, Kat. Um, if anyone has any questions, I know Catherine and Andy are always doing a great job um, taking care of the chat. So feel free to put questions in the chat. I'm also watching anyone that's sharing video. So if you want to raise your hand at any point, I can stop speaking and you can be involved. This is one of the things that I feel like really makes our coaching platform different than a lot of the other ones. Um, a lot of content I see that's out there is just almost like recorded content where you don't get to participate. And I feel like by giving everyone in the group the ability to participate live really adds a lot of value because you could ask questions specific to the challenges that you're going through. And then we can mastermind, mastermind around those topics. Um, for anyone that's new to ERS, welcome. Um, this is the first high-level team leader kickoff call of the month. I kick these off every, the first Thursday of each month. And then our very own Andy Cuny will take you down the rabbit hole within that topic over the following three Thursdays. So the idea is to offer you 30 minutes of content and then 30 minutes of Q&A after each Thursday call. If there's five thir Thursdays in any given month, sometimes we'll offer you some type of an extra value add topic that's out of the normal topics. Um, we've also had to cancel due to holidays and that sort of thing, but we're always gonna fill at least four of those Thursdays. Of course, all the conversations we're having, including the Q&A section are recorded. So we understand some clients have to leave after the topic is done when we dive into the Q&A section. That's why we kind of split those two things up. But if you wanna jump in and just uh, watch the recordings, you can get through all two hours of topical recordings. Um, of course, a whole month's content in two hours, which makes it really easy to consume the content. But of course, consuming and not applying um, is gonna be the, the difference maker for your success within the platform. And I think this kind of segues nicely into the topic for the month, which is retaining agents. So um, I feel like there's a lot of things I wanna talk about, and I don't, I don't have a ton of time, about 17 minutes, but I wanna start off just by sharing my journey in attracting agents, starting with the launch of our team in 2011. In the first three months, we were generating over 300 internet leads a month, and everybody wanted to come onto the team and take our internet leads. So I think within just a couple of months, we had a team of about six or seven people. And I had no idea who I was hiring. I had no idea how to retain them. I had no idea how to train them. I had no idea how to hold them accountable. I had no idea how to track the deals. I had no idea how to do contract to close. All I knew was how to sell real estate on my own. I was the rainmaker. And so I had to learn all of this while selling real estate, while not changing anything in my own business. And I know there's a lot of you feeling that frustration or that friction where you have two jobs or seven jobs. Of course, it's a lot easier today to just sell real estate and not worry or not focus on recruiting and retention and contract to close and all these other things, which are growing a business. Um, I was recently talking to a top producing agent in Omaha who told me she made half a million dollars last year, uh, sold 101 houses, netted a half a million dollars and doesn't understand why someone would want to run a real estate team or a brokerage when you can make that much money and not have to worry about anything. And I said, how many hours did you work a week? And she told me 60. And I said, well, what did you have to worry about? And she's like, well, of course, I had to make sure the contract, you know, all of us know what all the things were that she had to worry about. I said, share with me the difference between owning a, having a job or owning a job versus owning a business. And she's listened to the podcast and she understood the ideology behind the importance of building a business that can grow without you being necessary. But I think a lot of people see that as a pipe dream. They don't actually believe to their core that it's a possibility to grow something where they're not necessary. And if it's you having a job and that's a, um, an intentional choice because you don't want to put in the work or effort it takes to build a scalable business, then at least you're empowered to make that decision. But if you want to take it further, which there's no right or wrong, but if you want to take it further, of course, the topic of agent retention is going to play a major role in your success of being able to scale a business. So I hear agents all the time that will complain that they lost an agent. And I'll ask them how many agents they have, and they'll say three. So of course, you lose one agent and you have three agents. What percentage of your agents have you lost? 33%. So I've likened this in the past, and this is very elementary, to a bridge. And I've thought of the agents as the pillars holding up the bridge. So would you rather have a bridge that's held up by two pillars or 100 pillars? How much pain do you experience if you have a bridge that has two pillars and one pillar comes down versus a bridge that has 100 pillars and one pillar comes down? Now take those pillars and think of agents, and then also think of the revenue an agent generates to you and your team. All of us have a different number. Our number in Omaha averaged around $20,000 net a year per agent. So back to the bridge analogy, if I knew I was going to make $20,000 per agent and I had 100 agents, how much pain am I going to feel versus if I had two agents or three agents? And what we see is a lot of teams pride themselves on having two or three or four agents and they brag about 
how well they're doing and how much money each agent does, you know, how much money each agent generates, how much sales volume each agent is able to perform. And then I'll follow up with that and say, well, that's great. But what happens if you lose that one agent? That's a 30% hit to your net income or a 50% hit or a hundred percent hit to your income off of your team. And so the more agents, in my opinion, the better. I've never seen any restaurant or any franchise apologize for opening up more stores. It's all a numbers game. The more you have, the better revenue you can have and the, the less uh, suffrage you'll have on net profit if one of them goes away. And so the challenge becomes retaining the agents. And when it comes to retaining, we've talked on all the topics in this, in this uh, coaching process, product, product, I'm sorry, um, comes down to culture, lead gen, lead conversion, accountability, goal setting, metrics tracking, all these things apply to agent retention. So a lot of people think, oh, I'll only keep agents if I can generate leads for them, or I'll only keep agents if they think it's a fun culture, or I'll only keep agents if they feel like they can grow inside my organization. And the the answer is yes, it's all of those things, but each person will choose why they stay. I think someone recently made the, you've heard the quote, something like agents will come for leads and or come for splits, but they'll stay because of culture. I don't agree with that quote. everyone will stay for different reasons. If you go through and you should go through and interview the agents that are with you now and say, what's your number one, number two, and number three reason you're with our organization. And we've been doing that over 10 years. Every time we've hosted a workshop and some of you've witnessed this, we'll go around the room for 10 or 15 minutes and have, I call it a testimony meeting where agents will stand up and testify using like a religious parallel as to why they choose to stay in my organization versus going somewhere else. And the answers are never the same. The answers are always different. The reasons people choose to stay are always different. But I think to the core, if people will really truly dig deep, I think the reason people stay is because they believe that your organization is the vehicle that will allow them to accomplish their sales goals, that will allow them to generate the income to live and lead the life of their dreams. And if they believe they can do that in your organization faster with less energy, they're going to stay in your organization. I never have seen someone leave saying, I want to work harder. I'm going to leave. I want to make less money. I'm going to leave. I want to have less friends or a worse culture. I'm going to leave. They're always leaving for something they believe is better. Now we've tracked analytically when agents leave our organization, when we were running the flagship team and now SKW, we've tracked to see if agents would perform better out of the team versus on the team. And the numbers were pretty surprising. 50% of agents that have ever left, and we've probably lost a hundred plus agents over the last 10 years, 50% are no longer licensed realtors. So there were a lot of agents that left their organization and said, yeah, if I can't make it with these guys, with all these systems and processes and support, I'm out of the business. Out of the 50% that stayed in the business, 20, uh, half of them, so a net total of 25%, actually had a year where they sold more, not on our team, than they did on the team. The other 25% never had a better year than their best year with us. So if you look at the net total, only 25% of the people that left the team had a year better, which is pretty interesting. 75% either left the business or never performed the same. And it's not a surprise to us. So then you ask yourself, why did people leave? A lot of it was ego generated. A lot of people wanted to be like me. They wanted to be like Eric. They wanted to be like Vince. They want, they didn't believe that in the team, they could be like us. They had to leave to be like us. And one of the reasons I think that was the case was because we weren't a brokerage. We were a team and we weren't able to offer the agents in the team the same value adds that the broker was able to offer. Um, the policies at Berkshire Hathaway at the time and still today don't allow the teams to offer the same splits that the brokerage is allowed to offer, which is a huge conflict of interest, which which was one of the main reasons we left and started our own brokerage. We couldn't compete with our own broker who was taking our agents. We lost over 50 licensed agents to Berkshire Hathaway over the five years that we were at Berkshire Hathaway. Think how crazy that is. And we allowed that to happen. We we literally would talk to the owner and say, this is a, a huge conflict. He's like, well, they're picking the best spot to go. I mean, he had no, he didn't feel any remorse, didn't think it was wrong. And so we have a policy now, and I would invite everyone to apply this policy as you allow agents to build teams and um, within your team and or within your brokerage that an agent can't leave from one team to another um, or can't leave a team uh, to start their own team under you unless they get the team leader's blessing. So if I have an agent on a team, let's say Andy has a team of five agents and one of them wants to go to another team or wants to come under the brokerage, they only can do that with Andy's blessing. That's how you run a business. You give your um, the authority to the person who's brought them in, who's helped them, who's trained them, who's provided all this resources and support. You don't take, create a conflict inside your organization, which is going to create a horrible culture, which is exactly what we left. So another ideology behind agent retention is hiring a lot of agents. 
people will complain they don't have enough agents. I think it was uh, Norm last year when he came to the workshop. He made a comment um, about not having enough agents and, you know, um, something about his overall sales volume. And I said, well, how many agents do you have? And he's like four or five or something like that. And I said, well, you'll double your net income if you can just double your agent count and help them perform the same as the agents you have. And he's like, well, yeah, that's a good point. But a lot of people get into it and say, I don't want to get too big. How many of you have heard, and you can show a show of hands, how many have heard people start teams and say, I don't want to get too big. I just want a couple agents. I never have understood that sentiment. I, like that doesn't even compute in my brain. That'd be like an individual agent saying, yeah, I want to sell real estate, but I don't want to sell that many houses. I've never heard an individual agent say, I don't, I don't want to sell that many houses. I can't see Frank in LA going, you know what? I'm good with three listings a year. Nine would be ridiculous. I'm just going to stay with three. Well, that's the same noise I hear when someone says, I only want three agents. I don't want nine agents. I don't want 18 agents. I don't want to be like Jeff Cohn with 30 agents or now 150 agents or a thousand agents or Gary Keller with 180,000 agents. Why? And the answer is systems and processes. People think they're based, they're creating a judgment on um, growth based on them having to be the success manager, the accountability coach, the contract to close person, the marketing director. But the truth is you're going to leverage all of those positions. Your growth is not going to be specific to you playing an active role in all of those positions. You're going to hire people for that. So really what I hear when someone says they don't want more agents, or if an agent ever said, I don't want more clients, is they don't want to have to put the work in to create the systems and processes necessary for growth. And that to me is, that encompasses what ERS's role is. It's our job as a coaching organization, par paralleled and partnered with your businesses to help you have the confidence to put into place very simple systems and processes to help you grow and have the courage to add another agent, to have the courage to pay for another CRM, to have the courage to generate leads that cost you money up front because you know you're going to make a referral fee on the back end, to have the courage to leave your brokerage, to go to a different brokerage and start your own brokerage um, and or team because you believe it's an environment that will allow you for growth. And we've had to make two or three brokerage changes because we kept growing too big within the brokerage, which leads me to the last point before we get into Q&A. And some of you've heard me speak to this, but it's the three different types of agents and what they expect. So an agent that wants to join your team today that's never sold before or has only sold a handful of homes is a dependent agent. And this is important to delineate when it comes to agent retention, because you have to know the type of agent you have. It's not just the personality test. If you look at DISC or Myers-Briggs or the Gallup Strengths Finder, yes, you need to know that as well so that you can better retain your agents. But more importantly, it's what those agents need. And Eric versus Sherry versus Bill versus Michelle, all of us need different things. And so we've kind of categorized that into three different types of agents. You have your dependent agent who's dependent on everything. They're dependent on leads. They're dependent on systems. They're dependent on contract to close services, listing presentations someone writing their commission check, hanging their brokerage license somewhere, they need everything. And most teams in America are designed to support the dependent agent. And most brokers in America are okay allowing agents to run teams because their hope is that those dependent agents will grow, which they will, and become interdependent agents and will no longer need the team. And they'll leave you to become a team within the brokerage that you're already at, that you've already been supporting for years and years and years. And it's the conflict of interest I was just talking about a few minutes ago. The only reason they leave, in my opinion, is ego, as long as your team offers an interdependent commission split and an interdependent lead gen process and an interdependent contract to close support. So we have to build a world big enough where an agent doesn't have to choose to leave. They can stay inside of our team and get the same benefits that they would have otherwise gotten had they left and hung their license at the brokerage versus on your team. So the third level, which is the hardest to do as a team, speaking from experience of running our team, is the independent agent. Independents are most of you on this call today. I don't know how many brokers we have. Show of hands, how many have a brokerage license? And I'm delineating between just an independent contractor versus a broker, about half of you. How many that raise their hands are the designated broker? Or are you, raise your hand if you are the broker of your real estate company. A lot of people have their broker's license, but aren't the broker. About three of you are the broker. So the, if you become a broker, you can completely live and survive on your own on an island. You're an independent office. You don't need a broker. You do your own commission checks. You do all your contract to close, compliance. You're, you're the fiduciary with the responsibility of all the agents within the organization, making sure they have all their I's dotted and their T's crossed. So as a team, it's very difficult to offer an independent option if you're not a team that's running the team ridge, which is essentially a brokerage running like a team, which is how every brokerage should run, but don't. 
So it was our intention as we scaled Omaha's Elite, we got up to about 30 agents. We had a very hard time getting bigger than 30. And we were running an independent model with the exception of not having our broker's license, everything else we were doing internally, writing commission checks, contract to close, admin support. We didn't use anything that Berkshire offered, literally nothing Berkshire offered did we use. It was all independent. But we were hanging our license at Berkshire and paying 6% of our deals for the name. In Omaha, they have 50% market share. We wanted their name. We felt like we needed their name as we grew, but we couldn't grow beyond 30 agents. So we had to go to Keller Williams and literally just demolish, demolish the team. And the team just became agents within the brokerage to be able to offer the independent option. And literally, we would let now brokerages choose. We just announced we're one of the first locations in the country that is supporting an independent brokerage, which is located in Omaha, Nebraska. That's not, we, their licenses aren't at our brokerage. So they are using us the same way you would use a CRM system or any other type of technology. They're paying us $4,000 a month to have access to KW Elite technology, to have access to Keller Williams command system, to pretty much have access to everything, but we have no fiduciary responsibility over them. Um, what's the name, Andy? Evolve Real Estate Team with Jeremy Harper. So this is actually the future of Keller Williams. And I'm bringing this up because this is going to um, affect and impact every brokerage you guys are at, even if you're your own brokerage. So Gary Keller's vision, and he shared this with me one-on-one -on -one two years ago, was similar to EXP, where EXP's goal is to have a licensed designated broker in every state. And if you're an EXP agent in Omaha, Nebraska, and you want an agent to be licensed, or sorry, on your team in San Diego, they can be because they hang their license with the California designated broker, but the commissions actually can come into the Nebraska designated broker. And then you pay that agent like a referral fee. So you can essentially build a team across the nation. Well, that's Gary Keller's vision as well. So they're starting to work on having Keller Williams designated brokers. This is out of Keller Williams Real Estate International. This is KWX. This is outside of the franchise. He's essentially started a second tier, if you will. So imagine a world where Remax agents and or Indie uh, brokers and Century 21 brokers and name the brokerage, if they need the additional technology that Keller Williams creates, they don't have to have their agents licensed at Keller Williams. They can stay licensed at Remax or Century or any of these other places, just like we do when it comes to what CRM we're going to use, but they can pay monthly to have access to everything that Keller Williams offers. And the reason I share this ideology is because I feel like as a team, we should be thinking on the same level. When it comes to agent retention, we should be thinking what value adds have we created inside of our organization that are so strong that an agent may choose to pay us monthly. So we hit our 20,000 net a year or 50,000 net a year. The agent may pay to be in our world, but hang their license somewhere else. Doesn't that sound crazy? We have someone paying us 4,000 a month. Some of you rose your hands and said you were a broker. Would you pay us 4,000 a month to offer you lead gen, uh, lead, lead conversion, all the back office systems and tools, marketing tools, contract to close, accountability coaches? A lot of people would say yes, especially when you're an independent brokerage on an island and you have no resources or no support of a franchise. And you're like, hey, for 50 grand a year, I can get all these additional resources, but I can still have the autonomy of being my own broker and being in control. Sign me up. Well, Gary, th Gary Keller felt the same. 180,000 agents is only 10% of the overall agent count in the nation. He'd love to have 2 million agents paying for access to this thing that he created. So there's lots to talk about. And Andy's going to take you guys down the rabbit hole of three main topics. Andy, do you have those in front of you? Or Kat, do you have those in front of you? Kat has her doggy in front of her. Um, the agent retention is going to play a major role in your ability to grow. Everyone knows that. But you only want to retain the right agents. And it's okay to lose certain types of agents. And Andy's going to get into that. Um, we've learned over time, there were lots of agents we hired that we should have never hired, but you don't want to lose the, like some agents we will lose and say, man, we really shouldn't have lost that agent. That's unfortunate. And we made sure just like if you lose a listing or a buyer, you always want to ask them in an exit interview and always have too deep leadership when you do those, why the person's choosing to leave and get the right answers out of them. And when they share those things with you, sometimes you'll have the opportunity to save that agent. Maybe there was something they didn't know. Maybe they didn't know you could change their split or change the value add or offer some type of other service that they thought they couldn't get inside your organization. Most of the time, if someone comes to us saying they want to leave, even if we save them, they're going to leave inevitably over the next few months is what we've experienced. I'd almost say every agent that ever came at any point said, I want to leave and I kept, we saved them. They ended up leaving anyways because they thought there was something else out there better. But it's important to find out why are they choosing to leave? And is it a re is it something that you're okay with? Like they want everyone to drive Range Rovers and your team drives Kias. 
sorry, we're not going to buy Range Rovers for everybody. Like there are things that people say they want and you're, just, you're not that and that's okay. And I think that a part of, in my life where I felt like a lot of stress went away was when I started to discover who I was as a leader and who we were as a company and as a team. And I no longer carried this control or this stress that someone left because that's something I did wrong. I had the confidence to say, you know what? We are what I want us to be. If someone chooses to leave, they're simply not a good fit. And being able to admit that and being able to feel that in your, your heart or in your soul will eliminate a lot of stress for you. How many of you know what I'm talking about and have felt a burden when people leave? Like you did something wrong. You weren't the right coach. You weren't the right teacher. And you start to feel culpable. Like, could I have done something else? Was I too busy? Did they not get the attention that they deserve? Once you have the confidence and the maturity to say, you know what? We offer enough training. We offer enough accountability. We offer the leads. We have structure. We have a great culture. We're doing all these things right. And this person's upset about X, Y, or Z. They're probably not the right fit. We can't be the best fit for everyone. And that's okay. And so our goal over the month of October with this topic of agent retention is to help share with you guys some strategies that we have found have worked in our business to retain better agents, to retain top tier agents that fit our culture for a longer amount of time by focusing on this independent, um, interdependent and dependent model, making sure we are the solution for all three, dependent upon what's, what um, category they're in. And then making sure that in our organization, people have the belief system that they can make more money and less time with less energy and be able to realize their life's dreams. And we'll talk about that at the end of the month, uh, end of the year when we start getting into goal setting. But if they believe they can do that in our world, why would they leave? And there are other answers. I've had people say, I don't want to work as much. And I feel like there's pressure in our environment to work hard and sell a lot of real estate and be successful. And I only want to sell two houses a year. And we're actually okay with that. It's not our job to tell people how many houses they have to sell. It's their job to define how many houses they need to sell. And we just need to be the solution to allow them to do that. But there is peer pressure when you have a lot of high, high functioning individuals pushing you to be better. And some people truly just want to be lazy and don't want to work hard and they feel that friction. And so they'll choose to leave because they can't play. And I, and I totally understand that. I wouldn't want to be in an environment of high success and high, you know, people accomplishing at a high level. And I'm just over here on the sideline doing two or three deals a year, but we are okay. Allowing that from a cultural standpoint, because it's not our job to tell people what kind of life they need to live. So let's open this up to Q and a, we can speak on topic. We can speak off topic. If anyone has to leave, go ahead. No hard feelings. Uh, appreciate anyone that was able to come in today via video. Love being able to see you guys. I watch all your faces and kind of feel the energy and um, work the room, so to speak, by you choosing to share your video. So I appreciate that. Those that don't, it's usually because you're driving or walking on a treadmill and that's okay as well. But if you are in a position in the future to be on the video, it adds a lot of value. Um, also, just as a reminder, and I think most of you have done it, always include your city state so that people know for referral sake where the leads need to go. If you want to give a lead to Wyoming, Chad Wordsum is, uh, words, how do you say your last name? Wordsman is covering all the state of Wyoming. So, Chad, you're going to get a lot of Wyoming leads, hopefully. He's good with that. He'll help refer them out. All right. Well, let's open this up to Q&A. We can talk about anything. We'll end at 15 minutes after the hour. Catherine, another thanks to you for doing a great job mm -hmm. outlining the weekly recap emails. Um, I know we are working arduously to make sure that those are going out to your guys' individual agents. But I think I would recommend as the team lead to have a function yourself and or with an admin to forward that out to your team email. Most of you have a like your team's name at gmail.com or whatever email server you're using. I'd recommend pushing that out every week because it's a great recap and reminder to your agents to be consuming that content. And then also, I think now um, we're going to start interviewing a person from ERS before a topic kicks off. I think that Ford did an amazing job this last couple of weeks when we did that in-person interview covering agent retention. A lot of the things I talked about today, Ford and I got into and talked on. And I think that that's a good way to kind of prepare or have a topic you can listen to before getting into content. And I think that'll help improve the content that we deliver as well as the Q&A section at the end. Um, Frank asked in the chat, if you could briefly explain interdependent agent again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't do a good job of explaining that or the independent, but interdependent is really what you see. Like I would say 90% of agents are interdependent. It's the agent that knows how to sell. They know how to do a list press. They know how to do the paperwork. They're probably not doing a lot with lead gen. They're just working their sphere, but they don't want to have anything to do with the brokerage side. They don't want to have to do anything to do with the commissions. They might not touch paperwork at all. So it's like your traditional agent. That, that's who the brokers want. That's what broke traditional brokerages were built to support the interdependent agent. 
Again, dependent being brand new, just got into the business. They can't do anything without a mentor, someone else helping them. The traditional broker has not created a solution for that. That's why traditional brokers will send brand new agents on the teams. They'll, the team will teach them, help them for a couple of years. And then that agent leaves the team to be an agent, interdependent agent inside the brokerage. And then independent, the traditional broker hasn't created a solution for that either. That's why so many people have left to go to EXP. They don't know, they see that the broker, which I don't believe the traditional broker offers very much value, maybe 1% of traditional brokerages in America. And so when you're a team ridge or a team or a brokerage, and you're seeing that the franchise you're at offers no value, but they're collecting a 6% franchise fee and monthly fees and tech fees and ENO and all these other things, you're like, why am I giving all this money to this entity that's not doing anything for me? I'll just go off and be on my own. And so the, the brokerage of the future is going to have a platform that supports all three of those situations, dependent, interdependent, and independent. And so like what I was sharing earlier, our team was, our company, KW Elite, was able to be the designated broker in the state of Nebraska. And so now we can have agents anywhere in the country receive all of the benefits that anyone inside of Keller Williams would get when it comes to technology and training, as well as everything ERS and KW Elite offers without those companies actually hanging their licenses with us. So like those realtors are um, legally inside of that real estate commission. They're not hanging licenses with us. We have no fiduciary responsibility over them. They're just paying us every month to have access to all that technology, which is pretty cool. And I, I see that being the future for brokers that want to stay relevant and be able to compete. They don't have to be at a brokerage, at another bro fran brokerage franchise. They can be independent and then they can just pay a monthly fee to have access to the company that they think offers the most value to them. No different than how all of you on this call today are paying ERS every single month. I don't, we have no fiduciary responsibility. We have nothing to do with your real estate transactions, but we have a big, we play a role in your team's success and your team's growth. I think it's the exact same mindset. All right, Bill, and then who's on deck? Yeah, I just have some feedback from my own. You know, we've been at this for about four years now, and now we have some agents that are developing and probably going to be in the position to start their own teams. And I, I've learned a lot by coming to Omaha and talking to some of the guys that have started their own teams. We've hit a little bit of glitch, and I just say this so people can think about this. You know, my team is the Bill Heenan Group. Well, you can't start the Joe Smith Group under the Bill Heenan Group, under William Ravis Real Estate. My group is William Ravis Real Estate. So I wish I would have had a little more forethought into the process because now at some point I got to go back to the broker and create this next level of entity where all the groups can fit under. So that's a conversation that's going to take place probably in the coming months, but, but that's where we are. And I, I think that, um, uh, you know, we bring a lot of value um, with the systems that we've been developing through your help. And uh, you know, I would hope that we we're able to retain these guys. So. Yeah. You talked to me about that in person, Bill, at this last event. Um, and that is tough. That's tough. And I've said from the beginning, we were the cone team until 2011. And our tagline was Omaha's elite real estate group. And we became Omaha's elite because I didn't want my name in it because I didn't want people to want me. I just wanted them to want agents from Omaha's elite real estate group. And that was a long time ago. But it is tough once you've chosen a name, which I'm not against someone using a name, but it is tough if your real estate commission doesn't allow someone to be the Jeff Cone group at the Bill Heenan real estate group or team. And normally a commission won't allow that. They'll just want the agent to use their first name. So now we're talking about offering those agents the ability to have a team within your team. The name is going to become an issue. So I would highly recommend, Bill, and I know I think we talked about this in person, but this is for the whole group, that you consider changing your name. So changing the name of your entity so that people can be a team within your entity. And this is where that independent model works so well. You're the broker attached to another brokerage and or not attached to another brokerage. And then teams and groups can be um, whatever names they want inside of your brokerage rather you, than you running a team ridge. This was, uh, this was a friction that we were feeling too. This was one of the reasons in 2019, we knew it was time to leave Berkshire because we were, we were facing the same thing, even as Omaha's elite real estate group, you couldn't have Bill Heenan team at Omaha's elite real estate group, double dipping. You, the, the real estate commission wouldn't allow it. So it had to be Bill Heenan at Omaha's elite real estate group at Berkshire Hathaway home services, ambassador real estate. But now Bill Heenan has 10 agents. What do they say? I'm Joe Schmo. On the on with Bill Heenan on the Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group at Berkshire Hathaway Homes versus Master Real Estate starts to get absolutely ridiculous. Right, right. So uh, I think one of our answers is that we create an affiliation under the broker, not a direct answer to the broker, just an affiliation. So this broker has done that in the past with other offices. So that will be, have to be our position yeah. um, because the, our commission doesn't allow. They just changed. They just passed the law. And you guys want to watch out for this because if this holds, it might spread to other uh, states that the any teams 
have to be the first and last name of the lead team lead team. So Bill Heenan team, Jim Smith team. It cannot be. Oh yeah. You were telling me this. So that's, that was crazy. Yeah. They're requiring a name. Like I wouldn't have been able to do when I was elite real estate group. That's crazy. Yeah. That's funny. That shows a huge dysfunction in the way that uh, brokerages and real estate commissions think about what a team is. They, they literally are taking away your ability to have your team be a business to, to force yeah, you to have your always looking out for the client. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't want the client to get confused. All right, Bill. Well, thank you for that heads up. That was awesome. Appreciate that. And I think another solution could be if Bill, Bill, you keep your name, Bill Heenan group or Bill Heenan team, similar to our strategy around allowing Indies to attach to us. Agents can still be with you, but they're not under Bill Heenan. They could literally be under themselves and you could have a contract with them that you're going to keep the same split as if they were under you. I don't know if your commission allows that, but you would just essentially have ownership of the Joe Schmo group and you'd keep 20% 20% of all the Joe Schmo Group's deals, and they'd still come to all your team's events. And maybe they, maybe your bro, uh, real estate commission would allow a powered by, powered by Bill Heenan. That'd be kind of cool. So they can keep whatever name they want independent. And then you're, you know, you get a nod because it says powered by Bill Heenan or BH or whatever you wanted to do. All right. What else? I have a question. Go ahead. Um, so, we um, we're expanding to to Manhattan and we're Boomtown. We're trying to um, we did a campaign on rentals, um, which uh, was is not too bad. Now we're trying to do a resale in Manhattan, and with the um, the digital strategy, we're trying to figure out what areas to focus on the digital strategy. And uh, it seems like between trying to get their help, we're all over the place. What be the best way to kind of is there a way to look to see what areas uh, for searching for the AdWords would be for a certain area, like for Manhattan, Manhattan's just competitive area? Yeah, Boomtown can you- target geographically. You can also target, like, pick the demographic. I'm pretty sure they can actually search on price point, physical location. Andy can probably better speak to this than I can. But if you tell your Boomtown rep what you're wanting to look for, and we're talking traditional residential resale now, right? Not just yeah. rental acquisition. Yeah. The, rent, yeah. the rental, the rental 250, um, we just put it in there. It's uh, not bad. It's turned out pretty good. But now we're trying to go after resale. It's it's tough. Yeah. Uh, and and we're, we're trying to do all yeah. kinds of. Areas. And we're talking Manhattan, New York, not Manhattan, Kansas. No, ma- oh, Manhattan, New York. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man, that's tough. That's a tough market. Um, I'm good yeah. friends with a couple agents there. And I know it's a tough market. So when you speak of on rental, you're talking about representing them to help them place a renter in their property. And then you get paid a commission similar to traditional real yeah. estate sale commission. Yes. Yeah. I know Boomtown can target, you know, the Boomtown product is designed for the masses. And I know that it, I don't think it does as well in the big, in big cities like that. I know, I mean, I I've experienced that it doesn't from what I've heard from people that use Boomtown, not to say that it can't. And so I would just work with Boomtown to find out for those that are in big cities, like a Manhattan, um, how, what those search terms need to look like to be able to capture the most amount of people. And they, they'll have that data. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I just saw that pop up. Thoughts on taking an agent who's left. So 100%, it just depends on how they leave. If someone leaves respectfully, uh, we have a, sh- a good meeting. They say, thank you to the agents. Thank you to the staff. They leave on good terms that we don't hear that they talk bad about us. Of course, the door is always open. I can't imagine a world like I don't know how old school you have to be to you know say if you leave my team, you're dead to me and you're never coming back. Like what kind of tone would that set or what kind of culture is that? And I'll actually flip that script. And Andy and Catherine and Kevin have heard me say this so many times. And every time they're just like, oh, my gosh, he just said it again. I'll tell agents, if you have a doubt that our company isn't the vehicle to help you live and lead the life of your dreams, I invite you to leave our company. Go join another team, go start your own team, go to a different brokerage, go see if there's something better out there. And if you discover that it's not better, we want you to come back. We know because pride gets in the way and ego, you might not choose to come back, even though you know it's better. But we do invite you to go test the waters and see if there's something out there that's better. To be able to say that is the most empowering feeling as a leader, to have the confidence that you have the superior product and the superior support and the superior culture and the superior leads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to invite your agents to leave you. What do you think they think when you say that? 
they think, holy cow, my team leader is very confident about what they offer. I don't think I should leave. But if they do choose to leave, the door is open. Now, if an agent leaves and says Andy's a liar and Jeff cheated and they steal commissions and they're horrible and they're slave drivers or whatever the case might be, then, of course, we're not going to allow them to come back. But I think we've probably, Andy, you can help me on the number. We've probably had 10 or 15 agents leave and return. We've had some that did it more than twice. We've had some that did it three, maybe even four times. And a lot of times it's because they're having a, a baby or a life situation comes up and they just don't feel like they can take full advantage of what our team has to offer. And so they want to go somewhere to hide. They want to go to a brokerage where they can just kind of hide in the corner and keep their license active. But when they're ready to work hard again, they come back. Anyone else want to speak to that one? Does anyone disagree with that? Does anyone feel like if somebody leaves, then they should be dead to you and you shouldn't allow them to come back? It'd just be a very strong scarcity mindset. Like, it'd be like, Someone loves McDonald's and then decides they want to go to Burger King. And so McDonald's is like, nope, you can never come back to McDonald's because you went to Burger King. Like, that's stupid. Why, why would you do that? I don't know why you would do that. But someone can um, disagree with me if you want. I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> All right. Next question. I actually have a question if no one's going to jump in. Yeah, go ahead. So I've got a particular team member on our team who... We, I can't break through a, a, the pessimist mindset that is kind of set in as of late. Every time we meet for our one-on-ones, there's this constant discussion that we have about the market out here in Las Vegas and how our inventory just continues to plummet. And we actually just got accepted as a, a Zillow Flex partner. So like we've got all these great things happening for the team. But it somehow always comes back to this, but oh my God, the market's so dismal and there's no inventory and how are we going to do this? And it's, it's, you know, Hey, the grass is greener. So why don't we focus on that and all these positive things that are, that are coming our way, even in this dismal market. Um, How have you handled folks on your team who have had that pessimist mindset that I just, I can't seem to break through it. And just when yeah. I think we're making strides, it somehow again comes back and you're going, yeah, crud, you know? Yeah. Andrew, your situation, all of us have had that agent. I think all of us have been that agent. I think a lot of times we become victims of the messaging that we get from media, the messaging we hear our brokers say, the messaging we hear the news outlets say. But if you look at data, data will trump all. So my guess is if you look in the Las Vegas area at total unit sales, that the unit sales this year versus last year versus the year before are very similar. And what I would say to them is, hey, there's 40,000 unit sales in Las Vegas and the specific county we're selling in, there's 10,000 unit sales. Don't worry about what market we're in. Don't worry about what president we have. Don't worry about what pandemic we're experiencing. Go get the 10,000 unit sales. How many sales did they have last year, this person? Oh gosh, um, he's one 10, of our top 20, performers. So 50. he's, I mean, he's he's got over 20 25 up yeah. in that range. Yeah. Um, and he's got a huge book of business. He it's, you know, his business is, is very referral based. He's been in the game mm-hmm. 15 plus years. Yeah. He's got great, great clients. Yeah. Um, so I, I try and remind him of these things and it's, again, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I think focusing on it even more just need I need, I need to just keep driving it home and, and drive it home you, further. You can't personally, we, none of us can personally convince someone by the words we say, I think you have to work on helping him and or all of us, her, if it's a female situation, change their actions to get different results. So it goes back to the book, Who Moved the Cheese? The cheese for this person has moved. The way that they get business has changed. And so the pessimicity around this overall sentiment that they're sharing with you is real. In their experience, they're not getting the referrals they're used to enjoying, or they're not getting to close as many buy sides because there's so many multiple offers. Like Their life has changed. And this is where leadership comes into play because the onus is now on us as their leader, as their success manager, as their accountability coach to help them do uh, change their actions. And only then will they be able to change their mindset. Our mindsets don't change until the results change based on our actions. That would be my number one. Andy, why don't you speak to this too? Because you're dealing with this way more than I'm dealing with this. Yeah. A lot of times what we do, and Andrew, you brought it up there and Jeff did as well, is, is I start to bring up statistics, right? And I say, well, here's the deal is if you're having a struggle for, you know, one, two, three months, whatever it is, and you are, um, you're starting to have that mindset where they start to blame, it's the market, it's the leads, it's the whatever it ends up being. 
it is really, really helpful to be able to literally show peer success that is happening right next to them and explain to them that it it is not these things that you're placing blame on. And Jeff's exactly right with who moved the cheese. It's something with you that has happened. We've got to figure out what that is, right? So we always want to talk about, always show them. It's so amazing when somebody comes in here and wants to tell me about the market. You guys hear me harp on this when we do our Monday, Wednesday trainings as well. It's never the market, right? The opportunities are there. It's what we were doing to get those opportunities, right? Something has changed within that. So I always put it back on them and say, what are you not doing or not doing that has caused this change? Because the market wasn't it. Yeah, and and last, uh, this year, you know, he's already got 20, 20 uh, transactions last year, 20 as well. So he's already set to outpace what he did last year. Um, and we've got, like you said, Andy, we're sharing success every day. He sits next to uh, two other uh, top performing agents and they're constantly feeding off one another. It's, it's that mindset. And, and he's, he's even a self-admitted pessimist too, which is even worse because he'll tell me, you know, hey, I hate to be that asshole. And I'm just going, well, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Don't me, do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let me jump. Let me jump in with one more thing. So this is a little bit more on the psychology side. And I find this to be pretty interesting. But the way he's communicating to you, Andrew, might be entirely different than the way he's communicating to a significant other, to other agents in the office, to agents that are on his team or his staff. You're his bitch person. You're his vent. You're his outlet. And that's what your role is. And that's okay. He just wants to have someone that he respects, listen to him. And maybe all he needs, and this is hard for men most of the time, maybe all he needs is empathy. Andrew, I know it's been really hard. This market's crazy. We've never seen anything like this. I know this is probably a struggle for you, but look how great you're doing. You're doing so awesome. You've had the best year ever. Keep doing what you're doing, buddy. I mean, that might be all he needs. And Andy and I've talked about this a lot from a leadership standpoint, because I've gotten to work with Andy as his leader. And Andy's probably one of the best examples I know. Andy, shut your thing off for a second. Andy's probably one of the best examples I've, I know about, a, a, I call it bitching up, right? Complaining up. You complain to your leadership. You don't complain to the people below you. If anyone, if you're ever going to complain, you could complain up. So you might even look at this and for you, Andrew, flip it upside down and go, wow, he really likes me. He really respects me as his team lead because he comes to me instead of just coming and saying, oh yeah, everything's great, Andrew. I'm good. Let's go back out there and keep selling. He's coming to you and sharing some true fears and some true insecurities that he's experiencing in the market and looking to you to show empathy to him and to give him an attaboy in the words of affirmation so that he can go back out and keep doing what he's doing. And it could be that simple. And we're looking into it too much. Like, oh no, this person, I mean, you, his results have proven, even though he knows it's, there's a challenge out there and he has somewhat of a pessimistic outlook. Some people are just wired that way. And he just wants you some love. And as leaders, like we've got to give ourselves. That's one of the biggest challenges. You'll feel it after the end of a, a day of accountability meetings, you have to give people love and you got to show empathy and it's no different than in interpersonal relationships. Agents need some of that. So don't look into it sometimes too much. Ask yourself, why are they communicating this to me? And then what role can I play to help them become the best version of themselves every day, every week, every month, every year? That's what leaders do. As if you've been part of those conversations, Jeff. Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, he just, just, just last week, he actually made that exact comment. Um, and he said, look, I, you know, I'm sorry that I feel like all I do is bitch when I, when I come to you. And I said, that's fine, Greg, like I'm here to listen. And I try and turn it into a high level conversation then about the market. Okay, well, what do we think could, you know, alter the market like we saw when the pandemic hit or what, you know, I try and then say, well, let's get into a very high level discussion about what you think is going to change the market or what you think is going to add inventory yeah. to the Las Vegas Valley. And I try and get his wheels turned and at least get his mind thinking about something other than yeah. just the doom and gloom. Um, and, and it tends to work out pretty well. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the advice. Andrew, I appreciate you bringing that challenge up to us as a group. And I think you handled it very well. And he's lucky to have you as a leader. Appreciate that. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Who's up next? Got five minutes and get into something. Where are we going? What are your guys' biggest pain points? Uh, anybody on here using um, Boomtown Success Assurance and give me any insight on how you feel it's working for you if you are? Hands up for anyone that's used it or using it. Boomtown Success Assurance. We've got a couple. couple. Anyone want to speak to it, Frank? Is that the concierge? Is that success insurance? Assurance? Yep. yep. I, real, quick, I real quick, Frank, so that I can bring context to the question because it's applicable to everyone. 
Boomtown created a, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Sherry, but essentially it's an internal lead scrubbing um, system. So they've got callers that are calling in when the leads come in and scrubbing on behalf. They actually got the idea by my, for my seventh cousin, Josh Cunningham. I wore his hat last time I was on a uh, rocker box. So rocker box was their preferred partner. And they re- he feels like they took all of his ideas and then they just built it internally, which I have no problem with. He didn't have a non-compete or anything signed with them. And so that's kind of what they're trying to do is the same product that Rockerbox offers. Am I right? Right. Okay. So Frank, how is it working for you? Yeah, I I, li- I actually rely on it. And I've had it um, since I've had Boomtown, which is probably a year and a half. And because um, I can't get to everybody all the time. I can't always make three calls a day. I can't always. We don't want to hear your excuses, Frank. Just tell us how it's going. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm telling you. So I rely on them to actually flush some of this stuff out. And, and you know, now they have changed it per whatever rules are out there, where when they text someone, it gives them the option to just opt out right away. Um, and that's a recent change in telecommunication rules. So, I you know, know it will qualify them and or get rid of them pretty quickly while I can be focusing on people who, you know, it's my sphere of influence or something like that. When they opt out real quick, Frank, out of curiosity, you're saying when the auto text goes out, they have the option to opt out of texting, but does that also opt them out as a lead inside of Boomtown? No. Um, They'll still be in Boomtown. They'll still be in Boomtown. If they created an e-alert inside of Boomtown, that's search for those of you that don't know, Um, that will still remain. And if someone opts out of texting, it's fine. I'm still calling them to try and reach them, but I'll leave the search in there just in case. But I have a code too. If somebody says, you know, get rid of me, um, I add at the end of their last name, uh, a hyphen and then trash in capital letters. So that if this lead comes up again, I know I've trashed it and dealt Mm. with it in the past already. Mm. I still have the option. And those people can still go like a year later, hey, you know, I need you now, then I can just simply remove that. But it helps me more clearly separate, you know, the the ones that are ready to go or not. Okay. So you'd recommend for people to use that? Yeah. And what I've said, and Vince, I know you have a comment. Anyone else that wants to speak to this can? If your agents aren't, and I know Frank went through reasons why he chooses not to call. I don't like hearing the language I can't. That's why I kind of jumped on him because he can do whatever he wants. He's choosing not to, and that's okay. But let's make an intentional choice to say, we're not choosing to do this. So if you're not choosing to do lead follow-up at the highest level, then you can outsource lead follow-up. So this applies to any leads you're generating, leads from open houses, leads from cold calling, um, internet leads that register, leads that come in off your website organically, and you have a third-party company. It can be an internal person and or an external person, both in the United States or outside of the United States. If you're going to choose an option outside of Boomtown, Rockerbox is the one I always am going to push. It's cheap. I think it's, what is it, $7 a lead, Andy? So if you add up how many leads you generate a month, for 7 bucks per lead, they'll make 10 calls, do automatic texting, automatic emailing. They'll do all the lead follow-up. And then they're placing the lead to the agent you specify you want to receive the lead once it has indicated it's ready to meet with an agent in the next three months. So they're scrubbing it all the way. We still believe, we believe in the camp, we're 1% of the teams in America, that the agents should be doing all of that. We require agents that take leads to do all of that work in Omaha. But in all of our expansion locations across the country, we are no longer relying on the agents because the reasons Frank said agents don't want to work it. We're now requiring all leads get scrubbed through Boomtown, or sorry, through Rockerbox, all the Boomtown leads getting scrubbed through Rockerbox, and then handed off to the agents after that for a 50% referral fee. Yeah, it's just like having an ISA, it's the same kind of thing. So I rely on it. Cool. It's not like I'm something at all to them. Sure. It's a tool. Yeah. So we operate off the, uh, you know, 90-day green light, red light, right? So we tried it for 90 days last year. And to be honest, it was a total disaster. Um, And, of course, my agents and my team, they they converted at a pretty high rate. So um, I believe, if I remember correctly, the the conversion rate dropped by like 75% based off of what we were able to do. So when you chose to use their lead scrub versus your own agent scrubbing, it was a much lower conversion ratio. Was it still profitable? Mm, I'd have to look at that. Probably okay. no. No, not if I, we dropped by like 75%. So I'd say no. Probably not. They, okay. no, Is no. there anything your company could, like from an extreme ownership standpoint, do you think it wasn't as successful because of Boomtown's callers or because your agents didn't think it was a good lead when it came in after getting scrubbed by Boomtown? Like, see what I'm saying? Like, 
Oh, yeah. Did they um, do their job, but your agents didn't do theirs? Or do you feel like they didn't scrub as well as your agent scrubbed? And that was they the definitely one. didn't scrub. Yeah, the amount that we actually got transferred over, I don't remember. It was it was over a year, a little over a year ago, but it was really, really, really low. Okay. So, so let's let's end on this point because this is a really great talking point. It comes up all the time on podcasts um, and on panels and stages and speaking and all sorts of stuff. The difference is this: it's one thing, and I call it problem solving. An agent in a city where the lead came through can problem solve so many different situations where they can make money. Oh, you're moving from Wyoming. I know an agent in Wyoming. I'll send you a lead. Yeah, they might not end up buying or selling with me in my city, but I get to send a referral now and make 25 or 50% on that referral. Oh, you're renting, but you want to buy in eight months from now? Awesome. I'll help you find an agent to get you into a rental. And then when you're ready to buy or sell, I'd love for you to work with me. So I call it problem solving. If it's a person calling from College Station, which is Rocker Box's headquarters, or Boomtown, which is out of Charleston, if they're making the call from there, I don't think they're problem solving anything other than when that person's ready to buy or sell residential real estate in the city that the client is paying. And in that one little detail, problem solving, I think your agents in your city are going to do a better job. But if you're Frank and or there's hundreds of examples, just like us in our expansion locations, if you simply don't want to build the system that has to train the agents and hold them accountable to making the calls and your agents just simply don't want to make the calls, they want better leads like um, proven Zillow leads are going to be better. Realtor.com leads are better. They're better because they're scrubbed. Zillow scrubs the leads. A lot of people don't know that. I've been to their headquarters. They have three floors in Seattle. They're not requiring people now because of COVID, but they scrub all those leads. That's why they convert about 12 to 15% of Zillow leads go under contract because that person has indicated we're ready to buy or sell. It's been scrubbed. But if you're if you can get your agents to do it and you can build a systematic process behind it, I think it's best to have your agents doing it. If not, the second best thing would be going cherry like you're doing through Boomtown. I love the red green. Vince said he went 90 days. I'd say give it 90 to 120 days with Boomtown. And if you feel like it's not what it should be, then I'd go 90 to 120 days with Rockerbox and compare the two. How much are you guys paying right now through Boomtown? Is it about seven bucks a lead? It's four fifty a lead, I believe. $4.50 per lead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can base it on lead conversion. Like I bet Vince was still profitable. He just wasn't getting to experience the profits he had when his own agents were choosing to take the leads. I'd rather have half the agents working the leads and have them work the leads than double the agents saying, yeah, I'll take scrub leads and going through a third party. You're, you're just going to get better results because a person physically in that location is going to do a problem solve better. And then also, I think as a consumer, I don't want some you know rando doing a lead scrub call with me and then handing me off. I want the agent I'm going to work with. When someone gets a call from a website, they want the person they're going to work with. They don't want the handoff, in my opinion. I don't want the handoff. So I would think most people don't want the handoff. And that's what you're experiencing when you're hiring a lead scrubber. If it's an internal sales agent in your own physical office, I think that handoff's a little bit stronger because they're in that city. They can speak to the city. They can speak to the team. They have a personal relationship to the team. That would be a one better, the best solution if your agent's not going to do it. But then I think it's keeping it in the United States, at least no accent. If you're going to have a lead scrubber like a rocker box or a boomtown, do you guys know if other companies offer the same services? Does Sync offer that? Real Geeks, Real Estate Webmasters, you guys on any other platforms that offer lead scrubbing? Boomtown's the only one I know of other than Zillow. Bill, were you speaking? Yeah, no on Real Geeks. No on Real Geeks, okay. And Realtor.com is doing it now too, like Zillow. They're doing it internally. So then they're charging a bigger split. Guys, the direction they're going, I've talked about big tech, they're going to be charging 80, 90, 80 or 90% referral fees. If they can generate the lead, if they can scrub the lead, tee it up, it's ready to go. They literally just need a real estate license in that state to write the contract. They, they, they could probably get to just paying an agent $100. They think about this. Like that's the future. They're not going to use agents. They're using agents right now to test their products. They're not going to use agents. They're going to have agents that they pay a salary to that's, that are going to have a job. You'll have a Zillow approved agent in every city that gets paid call it 24 grand a year, like Redfin, and then a little bonus every sale. Are there agents that are willing to do that out of 2 million agents in the United States? Yes. So this is a big deal who you choose to give your money to, because all you're doing, in my opinion, if you're using Realtor.com or Zillow, uh, there's a lot of other examples, is you're helping them with research and development so they can take you out of the business. That's why we've stayed with Google AdWords as a majority of where we spend our money, 10 grand a month. And that's why I would rather outsource to someone like Rockerbox versus keeping it inside of Boomtown, because what do you think Boomtown's going to do? I've already, I've talked to Greer Allen about this very topic. Boomtown eventually will probably have two arms. One will be consumer like us. The other will be lead gen, lead scrubbing, and then they'll charge a 90% referral fee to Boomtown approved agents. If they were smart, that's what they'd do. Think how much more money they'd make. Right now they get $4.50. They could be making $10,000 a closed lead. 
if they built the infrastructure for it, that's the direction they should go in. I would tell Greer that to his face. Like, you're crazy. You have this entire process of generating all this business and all you're making is a thousand bucks a month off the platform and then little side things like $4.50 when he could be charging. What agent in America doesn't pay, wouldn't pay a 50% referral fee right now on a listing lead? So why wouldn't they use their own platform to generate listing leads and charge 50% referral fees? That's what Zillow's doing, right? So pretty crazy stuff, you guys. Thank you. Andy, any closing remarks? Andy's still here. He might've jumped into his next meeting. Um, he'll be delivering some really great content. You guys, when it comes to agent retention, jump on those calls the next three Thursdays. We'd love for you to attend uh, one of these uh, group um, team building workshops virtually. The last one was a huge success. We'll have another one in November. I think Kat said it's like a hundred bucks. I don't think it's that expensive. The thing that's awesome about it, if you say, well, what's different between that and um, our ERS coaching is you're getting everything in one day. So you're essentially getting the 12 months of ERS in a crash course. And it, I think from the feedback we've gotten from current ERS clients is it puts it all together really nicely. I think we do offer you the recording for free. I think it's in special events. If you guys want to ever just go access one of the recordings, but getting to attend live, you're going to be able to interact the same way you interact here. And then of course, for anyone on the West coast, um, would love to see you at that workshop in January. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've only done one workshop outside of Nebraska. It was in Miami a year and a half ago. Um, so that's going to be great. Another thing we didn't mention, we're going to be at Inman. So Wednesday night in Inman, I think it's like, I don't remember, October 25th or 26th it's in Las Vegas. We're going to do happy hour for a few hours. So if you're going to be at Inman, be watching on Instagram. We'll be posting some information about the happy hour that we're going to host there. And that's it. Great call today. Great questions, you guys. Thanks for your interaction. Have a great week. Be the leaders that you are. Keep growing, keep scaling, and live and lead the life of your dreams. Appreciate you guys being here.